guys, we're back for another exciting episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play, and I am pumped for today's guest because this guy is a podcast extraordinaire. So we're going to be talking about maybe one of the most well-named podcasts on the internet right now. Like, I look at Private Club Radio and the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play, we've got some pretty good names, but this guy, he's on the mark, and you'll know where that makes sense. <laughs> so we've got Mark Immelman with us, who is not only a podcast extraordinaire, but he is a Twitter wizard. Like, this guy is all over Twitter sharing photos and videos and just having a good time, right? Mm -hmm. But everybody that's watching at home, before we jump into this, if you haven't done so already, click the subscribe button down below. The easiest way to make sure you get this content is by doing that. But if you want it delivered right to your inbox, click the notifications button as well. Make sure that you're doing that here on YouTube. <laughs> jump over to iTunes, Google Play, subscribe to the podcast. If you don't want to look at us, that's fine. You can just listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk golf, and we're going to talk a lot about golf because this guy's podcast is all over the board, and he's involved with the PGA Tour through this podcast, and there may be a, an ability to pull him over to the Golf Radio Network. I don't know. We'll see. But let's just welcome Mark Immelman to the show. Mark, welcome to the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play. No, thanks, man. I'm jacked to be with you guys. Um, I was so uh, technologi technologically um, challenged, I wasn't able to get into this Google uh, hangout thing. But yeah, we are, and I'm, I'm excited to be with you all, man. Awesome. Well, it's very cool to have you uh, to have you here. I've been following you on Twitter for quite some time, and and I had poked uh, poked to getting you on the show a few weeks ago, and uh, here you are. So let's start with an overview. Who are you? What do you do? How long have you been working in golf? What are you doing in golf? I mean, you got. I mean, if I go to your Wikipedia page, which is quite frankly really cool, that you've got a Wikipedia page. You've got about thirteen things that you're involved with. So mm -hmm. give us a ten thousand foot view of who you are and what you do in the golf business. Well, grew up in South Africa, born back there in the uh, in 1970, moved to the United States, first went to college here in the early 90s and played golf uh, competitively for a while, but I was always a teacher. And then I went over and taught in Europe on the European tour. So and then eventually my alma mater, Columbus State, reached out to me and they said, you want to come back here and coach the college team? And it, it was like a, a, a real serendipitous sort of an, an event. So we came over and we interviewed for the job and that was in 2001, and I've been there since. I'm still the director of golf now at Columbus State University in Columbus, Georgia. Um, I'm also an announcer. I do some um, – uh, I'm an on-course rover for CBS. Uh, um, I do some analyst work for PGA Tour Live. I'm a golf analyst for CBS. And then I, I'm also a PGA Tour radio play-by-play -play guy. And then, of course, there's that On The Mark podcast just to keep me out of trouble. So uh, there are a few irons in the fire between coaching and podcasting and announcing, but – all, all things being said, I am passionately in love with the game of golf, and I'm immersed in it, and I come from a golfing family, so it's all good, man. Well, that's really cool, and I feel like you're, you're like me. Like, you're never bored, which is awesome. Like, you've always got to have something going on, and, and anything that comes across your plate, it sounds like you pick it up and you hit a home run with it. So, mm -hmm. now, how did you get started in the golf business? I mean, you're obviously involved in a lot of different facets of it, but you've got, I mean, your brother, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, was a PGA yeah. Tour player, major winner. Uh, kind of what, what got you started into golf way back when? Uh, well, golf came to me back when I was 13 because – I wasn't big and strong enough to play rugby over in South Africa. You know, I played some, but I got injured pretty badly. And I was a decent tennis player and stuff. So I went to play golf with my buds one day and I was 13 and I guess the bug bits. And then from there, everything sort of worked out nicely for me. I caddied for a while and then um, through the caddying, I, I just hadn't sort of, I, I read voraciously when I was a kid. 
and I just learned a lot about it and I got to spend time with a lot of real smart folks and so the teaching sort of came along and through the teaching the coaching arrived and so it's all been very um very, it's, a, it's been a blessed sort of a curve for me and and, and my path has sort of cleared itself out you know there's been I, I've, I've worked hard I've researched hard but fortunately things have kind of gone my way and with regard to the tour you know my name rhymes with a master's champion and that never hurts okay <laughs> and then, and then uh and so I got in, I did some announcing on the European tour before when I was just sort of a sideline when I was teaching over there. And, and I reached out to the folks at PGA Tour Radio and they gave me a sound check and they said, okay, we'll give you a try. And they gave me one go and then another. And then the next thing I was on their crew. And, and from that PGA Tour Live came about. I was right at PGA Tour Live at the outset of it. And so that was kind of the springboard for me. You know, the radio was great, but PGA Tour Live just blossomed. And covering all these featured groups and stuff got me noticed. And then the CBS folks came knocking. And, and since then, it's now I've become quite notable in the game of golf. And not just because I'm Trevor's brother, I guess. Well, what's cool about PGA Tour Live, so I'm based at Tiburon Golf Club here in Naples, Florida. And we have the Shark Experience yeah. presented by Verizon in our golf carts. And yeah. if you've not used it, it is awesome. And we have both speakers and touchscreen, GPS, whole nine yards. But PGA Tour Live is a part of that. Oh, you cool. can literally be on the golf course watching... I'm not sure if that's a good thing when you're trying to focus on your game and you've got me rambling on in the background now. Or Tiger missing 17 fairways in one round of golf, but that's a totally separate conversation. <laughs> now, one of the things that you do, which is the main reason why I wanted to get you on this show, is on the Mark podcast that's been downloaded, and I'm glad I'm sitting down because it's been downloaded over a million times. Mm -hmm. Please feel free to share some of that wisdom with me because I'm trying to get this show to a fraction of that. Ricky, Tell us a little bit more about the show. How can people find it? Where can they download it? Where can they listen? Just give us an overview of, of the show. Well, you can find it anywhere. Um, it's available on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn. Um, for the Android users who have moaned at me, you can download the PGA Tour app and listen on the app. Um, if you've got an Android, you can listen on Google Play. Um, you can listen on your Amazon Alexa through Amazon. Um, and then, of course, you can go to the website at pgatour.com and you go to podcasts there or on the mark and you'll find it there. Um, so it's basically available anywhere. The reason why it blossomed, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I know this for sure. I know golfers want to get better. And we have been fortunate to get some really cool guests on, you know, golf instructors, PGA Tour players, um, mind gurus, fitness guys. And, and on the mark became the place where you can go and and, and get information for your game. And it's always been my mission as a teacher to sort of two things, to shine a light on other people because when I was a young teacher, I was working my buns off to try and get noticed. And I kind of didn't really, well, I did, but I didn't really. I didn't really bust it out. So I want to identify all these minds around the place and give them a platform. And, it's, and, and the folks shine to that, you know. And then people around the globe, they just want golf information. And I try and make it so that... Um, there's an element of understanding to it. So it's not just, well, I'm downloading a video from YouTube and some guy's talking at me. You know, because I'm a teacher, I can, I guess, decode what they say in a little way and, and the, my radio play-by-play -play experience helps. So, you know, we're telling stories about golf instruction with a view to helping people so that they can understand the stuff better and go and apply it to themselves. So uh, it's, I, I'm thankful, you know, the, it's, it grew pretty quickly. Um, but I know for sure that people want to do golf better, and, and that's where we, that's kind of our sweet spot. 
Well, and I think it grew quickly because of one, the quality of the content, but I think by finding it on PGATour.com also might help that. Just oh, yeah. The affiliation with the tour definitely has to have a little bit to do with it as well. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the PGA Tour is the biggest brand in the game. Um, and through my announcing and stuff like that, I've been able to forge relationships with good players. I mean, I've had everyone from Hall of Famers on that show to Justin Thomas after he shot 59 in Hawaii and Brooks Kepka and... So we've had some really big names on there. Um, you know, I haven't made the big splash with the with the Spieths and the McElroys and company, but I, I found in while watching downloads because I've had some great podcasts with guys like Nick Price and such that have been good. But then I'll bring them some golf instructor like Joseph Mayo for argument's sake, or, or, or Grant Waits, and that thing will bust. So our, 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 we have a real niche audience, and those are folks looking for. They're, they're, they're sort of those guys in the range that have probably always got a training aid in the hand and making a video of their golf swing. That's who listens. <laughs> I think that's who downloads us. That's awesome. I'm friends with Mayo, so I'll make sure I shoot a note on Facebook when this goes live to have him tune in because he gets a shout-out. So that's really he's cool. A good, he's a good guy. you know. And through Joe, I, he connected me with George Gankus, and we've become friends. And so, and for me as a teacher, you know, it's been neat because I'm always learning, and you hear other folks and – and you should be always learning. So when you hear these other guys with, you know, their take on stuff, it's broadened me. And, and honestly, I think it's made me a better announcer because now I can just reach out to them quickly and say, yo, what's, uh, what's Joe Pro doing? And they can fill me in on what the work is. So it's content for me as an announcer too. Check my email signature to that email I just sent you because I put a little quote at the bottom that says I am always learning because I love that. Like I just every day, if you don't learn something, try harder because you need to be learning every day. Uh -huh. So I love that. Now, you didn't mention this. You're also an author. You wrote a book. So tell us a little bit about the book. I mean, why, why wouldn't you write a book? I've actually, got, I've actually got two. And this came from a guy. <laughs> this came from a guy who came for a lesson with me. And he did pretty well. And he said, my um, sister-in-law is an author for a company up in New York City. And he said, um, it's, actually a, it's actually an e-book. And he said, I think she's just getting into that market. You know, you can add video and such to this book, and I think it'd be a good idea. So I'd always wanted to, you know, make my thoughts known, and I wanted to read a, write a book. And so we put this together, and the first one I published with them, and then we split, and then we republished it. Um, and it's called Scandalously Simple, the, sim the easy way to straight golf shots. And Because uh, I was just a firm believer in that, you know, th sometimes in, the F in, in, in an effort to sound smart, some golf instructors don't really communicate as well with folks as what they should. And I respect jargon and I respect all this kind of stuff. And I get these people on my podcast, but you know, communication is only as good as what the message is received. And, and golf is a pretty easy game if you understand a few things. And that's what scandalously simple was about. And then the second one was golf is a game of recovery because as a young teacher in Europe, I got to spend some time around Seve Ballesteros and you know, if you thought Tiger Woods was good at Belle Reve last week making the score, he did. Seve made that. That was Seve's mantra, really. He hit the thing everywhere but one. And and so I talked about recovery and the elements of recovery, you know, what shots you had to be good at and how you can do them well. So uh, scandalously simple was sort of principle-based with a few ideas you could adjust to sort of identify golf shots and do better. And then we talked about recovery some. You know, I've, got, I've always got things on the back burner, but I'm just uh, I'm, I'm swamped with other stuff right now. So they compared Tiger more than once to Seve during that tournament. And I, I never got the chance to see Seve really play. I've seen, obviously, over the years, just, you know, 
recordings from him, but uh-huh. Tiger Tiger has eight birdies and shoots six hundred par and hit two fairways. I mean, <laughs> put that together, I, I mean, that just I can't even wrap my head around how good that was. And it was it, it was a masterclass. Um, I had the group behind him. I was on Ram and and uh, Ricky for a while, and then they didn't start off so well. So our producer moved me up to Justin Thomas, who was making a bit of a run then, and then I couldn't see much. But I saw Tiger for the first six holes, I think, and he's misses. Weren't just off the fairway; they, they were wide. Okay, and, with and, irons, they were wide. Yeah, um, and but you know what's? It's how the game is played. You, you golfers just need to understand that, you know, good scores don't come because you're swimming well. Good scores come because you manage your emotions. They come because you manage your attitude. They come because, like Tiger said in his post-game interview with Amanda Balionis, he's like, "Look, I didn't know where it was going, so I was just trying to hit something, and so you were just trying to get around." And, and that's sort of the element of the game. I think with the advent of all the information we got, um, it's helpful. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I use all of this technology, but there's an element of playing that is brought to bear when the chips are down. And Tiger showed that. And, and I hope people paid attention because for a while, Jordan Spieth was doing the same thing. And on my podcast, I said to folks, I'm like, Spieth is, you should be watching what this young man does because he will help you to lower scores if you emulate what he does. Now, you might not hit it as far as Tiger or Jordan, but, you know, you can game the thing out if you've got your wits about you and you practice the right shots before you play. I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a gentleman, and he said, if I can hit it, I can make par. And yeah. I love that. I mean, Tiger showed that. My God, Tiger showed that if you can hit it, you can make birdie. So. Well, that, was, that, that was something my dad said to me as a young man. And when he told me when I was about 15, I was a decent player then, and I didn't believe him, of course, because he was my dad, and I, I was young and infantile. And, and he said... If you've got a swing and you can see the target, you've got a shot. So in golf as a game of recovery, I actually grade the quality of bad shots because so many people think when you miss the target, it's a bad shot. To me, it's only bad if the thing come, if the next shot comes out of your hand. You know, if, if you can hit the next one, like you saw Tiger, like you said, you're okay. And you, like Tiger did, he, you know, when he hit a bad shot, you'd see some frustration, like on 17. But, you know, as soon as that thing was gone and the club was back in the bag, he was figuring out a way to try and get that thing into the hole with as little damage as possible. I mean, he slams the club on the ground a couple of times. By the time he's walking down the fairway, he's got a smile on his face and he's in a good mood again. To your point about attitude, that it becomes more about attitude than the swing that you put on the, on the previous golf shot. So well, I, I, well, like I, spoke, I spoke with John Rahm to that end before the final round. I was on the range watching him and I was, you know, getting ready for the CBS show. And, and so I said to him, I'm like, yeah, you're playing nicely. You came in here with a little inauspicious form. What gives? And he mentioned, he goes, I'm just trying to clean up my attitude. He goes, I used, he said, my bad reaction to bad shots became a habit was basically the gist of his explanation. And I thought that was so smart. And he said, you know, initially to hit a bad shot and not react to the thing was hard. He said, but now I'm finding it easier. And so as a result, I'm sort of allowing my talent to show a bit more and I'm not playing you know, hot, hot under the collar, if you will. So from a golf instruction perspective, are you based out of a club and can people at home take lessons with you or kind of what's that look like? Are you taking, taking new students? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually at the Columbus State University golf facility. We built this a couple of years ago and it's a state-of-the-art sort of a place and I'm available for lessons. I've got two fantastic young teachers who work alongside me who, when I'm out on the road, they help out folks too. So yeah, I'm, I'm still teaching, not as much as what I used to, obviously. Um, but I still, it's still who I am. I, I'm a golf instructor, and my purpose is to help folks 
cultivate and develop their their ability and their talents and and so that is my bent and that's kind of how i found an avenue as a golf broadcaster too so you are at columbus state tell us a little bit more about your time playing there i mean you had a pretty good career when you were playing there by the way uh yeah we i was in all america a few times and we won a few national championships and i love how you say that just so like yeah i was an all-american like you're so humble about it i love it well uh, you know again i was fortunate to get a chance there and and uh you know for young south africans at that stage i was i was sort of at the forefront of south africans because this was back in 91 the forefront of young south africans coming over to college i mean i was here rory sabatini was over in arizona and tim clark came a little while later he was at NC State, and before us, I think you know, Phil Jonas might have been the first guy that was over here, and that was a ways back. You know, South Africans normally turn pro, and so I took my chances, and I played pretty well. And um, I tried to turn professional. I played three events, which I had a top ten, a miscut, and a middle of the pack sort of thing. But again, as I look back, I was always interested in how to how how the game worked, and perhaps that was my undoing as a player because as soon as i hit a bad shot or two i was trying to adjust myself as opposed to doing what tiger did so uh yeah the columbus state columbus state was cool because you know when i came back here it sort of closed it tied the bow for me it closed the circle and it's neat to be back here at a place that gave me my first in to the united states so yeah, it's been a, it's been a cool sort of a journey that's really cool. And uh, to everyone at home, I'll make sure to include links to all of these places that he's Perfect, thank you. and all that. I'll include that in the, the description below just so you can learn more about the program there and all that he's doing mm -hmm. there. So social media, obviously uh, you are extremely active on Twitter. What other networks are you using? And do you see social media as kind of a valuable part of your marketing plan as an instructor? Do you just <laughs> do it because it's an easy place to go and talk about what's going on in the world of golf? Uh, social media happened to me by accident, it actually, I wasn't one. Um, and a good friend of mine who was a former former executive at Aflac um, organization here in town, he said to me, you should be on Twitter. So I joined Twitter and I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of followers, but I, if, if you follow me, you're into golf basically. And then I have someone who helps me with our on the mark handle. Um, and that's just, that, that's a place to go if you want golf information from our podcasts, to tour stuff, to European tour stuff. If you're a golf junkie, on the mark is the place to be. Um, and then we ha I have I have someone who helps me with uh, the Facebook. I've got a Facebook site, the instruction site, and I've got, and they run the thing through Loomly, which you know they they write they help me write posts and then they post them randomly. So you'll see when I get on there because mine are a bit more personal. But a, a lot of the social media thing, honestly, I, I got into broadcast through social media. I got to go in PGA Tour Radio because I reached out to uh, Matt Adams. I was listening to his show in a rental car one time, and he had Teaching Tuesday or whatever it was. And so I tweeted him. I'm like, Matt, you know, if you want someone with a different sounding accent, I'm available. And he got right back and said, how about next Tuesday? And, and that turned into a connection with the tour, which turned into PGA Tour Radio, which turned into PGA Tour Live. So I have Twitter to thank for this whole sojourn, this, uh, this odyssey that I've been on as an announced guy. Honestly. That's really cool. And and I kind of look at this show too. Like, I, I mean, I'm 114 episodes into this show, right? And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I look at it as I'm not getting paid to do this. I do this sitting at home because I enjoy the conversation. I enjoy the content. And who knows where it goes? And mm -hmm. I remember you mentioned Amanda Balionis. She was, uh, I was doing some stuff with her a long time ago when she was at Callaway. 
and and hashtag Chad at Callaway, you know, and I look at now, I mean, Chad's still at Callaway, but Amanda now, I mean, my God, she's interviewing Tiger on Sunday at a major. Like, that wasn't that long ago. She's sitting there in a cubicle at Callaway talking to me mm -hmm. about, you know, products and stuff. And, you know, you never know where it's going to go. And same thing with you. I mean, social media has kind of helped springboard your career and well, you've got the, the ability to connect with people in the right place. Well, I guess the teacher in me is coming out. And if someone's listening to you and me, um, Here's the one thing I know about social media. You, you've got to pick your poison a little bit, you know. It, it's a place for people to air their laundry, and you've got to be so careful. So, I mean, I just try and be uplifting on social media. I'm not going to be critical of someone or bring people down. I mean, that's not the place for it because with this sort of stuff, everyone is a broadcaster now, nowadays. And I'll tell you this from the locker on the PGA Tour. These guys are reading some posts too, and they're very aware of who some guy in the bottom of some – bedroom somewhere is tweeting about them because some of them read this stuff and that's how chris solomon and the boys from no laying up i mean they have developed a huge following so people are paying attention you know but you've got to you got to pick how you want to be how you want to position yourself and and the haters to use a, uh, a silly term are the folks that, that, that they'll get blocked very very quickly by by the people you kind of maybe need if, if you if you're looking to really make a splash in the future you know, to that point, I always look at it that, you know, if I'm big enough or popular enough that I've got people that are hating me, then I'm doing something right. And I look <laughs> at that to the, to the effect that somebody's going to challenge my opinions on things that I'm just talking about, whether it's golf or dance music or travel mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, I'm there posting content that I think is good quality content. If you, as a person at home, wants to engage with that, follow, buckle up yeah. and let's go. But if you mm -hmm. don't, then get out of my way because I'm going to keep posting it. So, Well, I, well, well I'm with you. You know, if, if I make something, I, I, I won't make too many on the edge comments. You know, I'll, 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 I'll uh, once in a while I will. But if, if some guy starts having a go at me, I just, uh, I'm not going to block you. I'm just not going to pay attention. You know, yep. I've, I've got bigger fish to fry, honestly, and, you know, to try and get into some, tw some Twitter spat. My only, my only issue with Twitter, I think it's fantastic. And all sorts of social media. Is there's not this you and me thing going on here. There's no tone. There's no context to the statement. And not very many people are talented writers enough to take 360 characters and make their point well known. And, and it so, used to be 140 characters. Yeah. Well, that's when it was even worse because, you know, you something comes out, the next thing, it's completely misconstrued. And then you see at the bottom of the chain, then so, well, I didn't really mean that. I'm like, well, surprised. <laughs> I'm not shocked at all, you know. So, so I'm a big fan of social media. I read Twitter a lot. It's where I find my news. It's where I find my golf stuff. It's where, because um, uh, the the modern PGA Tour player, I mean, they're pretty they're pretty involved there. And you'll sort of see them. They'll come and go a little bit. Like Rory's not too involved there right now, and uh, Ricky, they was a slow down. Whereas for a while, they'll be quite active. But it's also just you know they might get burnt and then they'll hang out for a little while and then come back. But but I enjoy it. So speaking of Twitter, you used, and obviously there is one, a hashtag Tiger effect. Tell me a little bit more about your thoughts. I mean, there's no question he's got an impact on the game. That's proven every time he tees it up. But what are your thoughts on the Tiger effect? Uh, look, he, everyone on the PGA Tour, no, everybody, everybody, everybody from the world's number one golfer currently to the 125th guy on the FedEx Cup points list and the web.com tour, they know that Tiger moves the needle. And we see it at events. There's a different energy when he plays. And that energy is ramped up massively when he's in contention. I mean, last week, 
it was like a football game at Bell Reef. It was so loud. I'm, I made the statement on the, on the CBS Clubhouse Report show after the broadcast on Sunday. When he stiffed that nine iron, I think it was, to 15, he hit it in there to kick in range for the bounce back birdie. I was up ahead on 16 green, just walking down to 17 T. And I joked, I'm like, I swore I felt the earth move because the place went bananas. I, I, I've never heard such a loud cheer in golf ever. And I've been to Ryder Cups and stuff, but it was nuts. Um, and to see, you know, when he came back, there were the detractors and there were the fans. And they all went to see, well, is he going to fail or is he going to win? Now it just appears that all and sundry up in Tiger's Corner. And it's neat because it shows to me that people have grace. You know, they're prepared to forgive someone of whatever their indiscretions are. And I appreciate that. So the Tiger effect is real. Every, everybody knows it. Um, <laughs> hell, CBS's ratings were up massively from where they were, from their best, which was back in 2009 when he was playing. So everyone's aware of it. It's it's a real thing. Well, it's a good it's a good time to be alive to be able to see this comeback. And if he can continue to play as well as he's been playing, and continue to get better and start winning again, it could be next to next to Hogan's comeback, the most impressive and and amazing comeback of professional sports history. And I think he's showing signs of that. I mean, again, he's three over through two holes in the first round, and then hits two fairways and shoots six under in the final round and finishes second place in a major. And, I mean, Kepka deserved that. And, and the way Tiger hit the ball on Sunday, I don't think he, quote-unquote, deserved to win. But he sure made it interesting. And it's going to be a fun few years up ahead, I think, with, well, with him playing how he's playing. Yeah, there was maybe Velspar. Um, I was working Velspar for PGA Tour Live. And he started making a run. And that was back then. That was early into his return. Um, and I made the statement that might have gone a bit viral or whatever, where I said, where do you hide your cape? Because... Um, it, it has been superhuman, you know, to think of where he was, to think of where he is now. It's, it is, it's bordering on miraculous. And I don't know the, I know Hogan was in a very bad way and they're, they're different things to compare. But, but either way, it's, if he, the comeback is complete in my opinion. I don't, I don't think Tiger has to win to finish this thing. He proved that he is legitimate last week. And, I mean, and I, to that point about the Cape and his comeback, I mean, I, he wants to win. There's no question. He wants that wins record. You know he obviously wants the, the majors record. And to be that age, to hit the ball that far, and to be standing there playing against the guys that were kids when he was coming up in the early or mid-90s. I mean, Justin Thomas made a comment after, after the fact, and he said he's never – he's like, I've played with Tiger a, a handful of times, and I've never seen that many people on a golf course watching somebody that's not in first place. I love that. Yeah, well, look, it's uh, that's part of the Tiger effect. You know, the, 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 the final group, you've got Brooks Kepka involved, who's one of the leading players in the game um, by a long way. And his crowd was big, but the crowd with Tiger Woods was, was immeasurable. So I mean, it's, it's, I've been to many, many an event where Tiger's been playing and it's, it's early days and then you get dispatched to somebody else we're on the other side of the golf course, and nobody is around uh, because everyone's watching Tiger Woods. Everybody's watching Tiger. Yeah. Now, your brother is um, PJ Tour player, Masters champion. How close is your relationship, and do you guys get a chance to play much golf together, or kind of what's that look like? <laughs> we don't play golf together. Our, our relationship's <laughs> close. Um, no, um, he lives in Orlando. I'm, I'm here in Columbus, Georgia, and we're very close. I mean, I've taught him for a long time. I don't teach him now. 
Um, he's he's a heck of a player. You know, he's, he's kind of the guy who's got everything going for him. He's good looking. He's well spoken. He plays golf well. Um, and now he's he's making uh, real inroads into television with the Golf Channel, which I'm happy for because he lives there and because he's got a lot to offer. You know, he's insightful and 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 he's got a lot of experience. So that's cool. And I think the last time we played golf together, that was many many moons ago. But are you teaching him when he won the Masters? Because if so, that's kind of your fault. I mean, <laughs> um, I helped him with his putting a little bit that there week. You, go. you know, if at that stage, if I had to. Well, David Ledbetter has been a mentor to the to the both of us, and at that stage, Led, Led was helping him with his swing. But I was um, I was helping him with his putting a little bit that week, and and he putted nicely. So it wasn't my fault. I I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. As an instructor, we're just kind of the background mechanic people. Um, the guy with or the girl with their hands on the rubber end of the golf club. Because the truth of it is, when you're back on on the the second nine at the Masters, for argument's sake. Um, the lessons go out the window then. I mean, there's it, it's it golf becomes golf starts happening at its base level under that pressure. And the athlete, the skill, the moxie, the mental acumen, the emotional control, all of that stuff is exposed. And if you're thinking about golf swing technique, then you you're hurting. <laughs> you really are. Well, this has been awesome to have you come on the show and to learn more about you and all the all of the different things that you have going on. But we're almost we're almost halfway there. So the, that's the front nine. That's the business side. Now it's time to let the hair down and have a little bit of fun. So okay. we're gonna jump to the back nine and 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 just talk a little bit about a golf. So you ready for your back nine? Sure. What is your favorite golf movie? Caddyshack. Without a doubt. Caddyshack. That's a popular answer. I'm just glad that you didn't say the Legend of Bagger Vance because that is not. <laughs> A very good movie. Uh, Caddyshack, without a doubt. Uh, it's not even close. Now, do you get nervous when you're recording the podcast or you're on air doing announcing? I mean, that's got to be a little bit nerve-wracking. You can probably get you know used to it, but do you ever get nervous um, when you're when you're on air? Uh, I get amped up, definitely. Um, the anticipation, if my heart rate's up, it's because I'm excited. I'm not so sure I'm nervous. You know, because when, like for television, when that light goes on, you know, off you go. There's not a lot. Of, there's there's not a lot of thinking going on. And and if I'm scripted, if if you're telling me what I've got to say, then I might get a bit more nervous. But if I've got, if you, if if I was a horse and you're the rider, if you let me on a bit of a light rein, then no, I'll just I just go. I dig that. Mm-hmm. Now you're from South Africa. I'm planning mm-hmm. a trip actually next year to go uh, cage diving with great whites in Cape Town. My wife has done that. You're nuts. Oh, that's awesome. Did she love it? Was it so cool? She loved it because she's nuts like you. <laughs> you're in a cage though i mean i am have a certified s- scuba diver but i'm in a cage did you see the video of that shark that jumped into the cage yeah i did okay, i'm not wishing <laughs> ill on you but please just be careful okay so what else do i have to see when i'm there i don't it's probably gonna be just a long weekend but what else do i have to see when i'm in south africa um if you're in cape town only go to table go on on the top of table mountain it's awesome uh the restaurants down there the winelands where i'm from if you're into wine and stuff it's just beautiful. Everything over there. It's, it's a very outdoorsy sort of a culture, a beach, wine, sport, you know, outdoor hiking and things. So you'll enjoy. And sharks. Yeah, exactly. Now, you recently lost a pair of Bose headphones on a flight. Um, tell me more about that because that sounds like that ended a lot better than one might expect. I love Delta. I, I love Delta. <laughs> and I'm not paid to say this. I, I, I'm in Georgia. So I fly to Columbus. I connect through Atlanta and I go everywhere on Delta, including South Africa. And, you know, you're traveling in an early morning flight and I'm half asleep still. So 
I kept my headphones in a little green bag and I obviously took them off for some reason. I put the bag in the seat pouch in front of me. And on the way out, you know, because when we're flying to events, a lot of the PGA tour people are on the same flight. So someone obviously walked past me and they were like, hey, how are you? So I get to chatting and I forget my headset in there. I realized this when I get to the hotel. And so I just sent an email to Delta describing it. I sent it to Lost and Found, whatever it was. And I got one or two emails back saying, um, we haven't found your item, but rest assured we're still looking. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I'd no given up. <laughs> and then I was somewhere away and I got an email from Delta saying, we found your item. Please eat. click the link and you, all you've got to do is pay for shipping. And I clicked it and there was a description of what it was. So I'm like, sure. And the thing was FedEx to my house a couple of days later. And I was like, this is the best service ever. Because when I got those emails, I was like, sure. But then, they, yeah, they found it. So it, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Delta Airlines. I'm actually flying Delta very soon to Europe. I'm going on a uh, European beer trip. But on the flip side of that, I recently flew back from a property. I was working at a Troom property for a little bit of the summer in Rhode Island, and American Airlines broke a club in my golf bag. Mm -hmm. And at first they said, no, we're not going to cover it. After I talked to seven different people on the phone, two different people via email, someone on Twitter, they finally approved it. So not quite the same as getting your headphones back, but they are going to fix my broken hybrid, which is very nice of them. So Yeah, customer, well, look, it's customer service. So again, you know, with a podcast or whatever, if you, the customer is always right. What's the thing? And 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 that's your experience and mine shows that they honestly care, you know, that, that, that people were trying and it's not just someone emailing, giving you the standard email back. Now, you've played a lot of golf courses over the years. What's the best course you've ever played? <laughs> Probably Augusta National. Um, Pretty easy there, I would think. <laughs> well, um, for different reasons. You know, they're, they're, they're just great courses everywhere. Like one of my favorite courses to go and play is a little course down in Destin, Florida called Indian Bayou. Um, but, but I would say for just the overall experience of it all, Augusta National just tickled everything about me. You know, not just the golf of it, just the the way I felt when I played the place. So I'd have to say Augusta National. So when you're traveling, do you prefer Uber or Lyft, or does it matter? Don't even use Lyft. I'm an Uber guy. Mm, I used I used Lyft once. Never again. Just yeah. saying. Oh yeah, it was yeah. just not the experience that you get with an Uber. And I feel like Uber is better outside of the United States. Like it's good here, but it's really good in Europe specifically. And hmm. It's so much cheaper than a taxi. I mean, just what a great idea. And who would have thought well, 20 well, years okay, ago we're going to pay somebody yeah, to get into yes, their car? Here's a punt for Uber too, okay? And this is me. Obviously, I'm giving up my laundry here. But it was an early morning. I was, the Uber picked me up at the house too at a 6 a.m. flight. And I keep all my podcasting equipment in a backpack. And it's a dark car. I get out there and I put the, the guy's back uh, trunk was full. So I put my bags on the back seat, including my backpack. And I get out and I pull my bag out and I just keep on walking and I get there and five minutes later, I've realized I don't have my backpack. I open the app. I find Lost and Found. I call them. That guy calls me back like within two minutes. And I said to him, Ralph or whatever your name was, I've left my backpack on your back seat. He goes, oh, and he turns around and goes, yeah, there it is. He goes, I'll be there in 10. Made my flight everything, and the guy turned around and dropped it off for me. So that, the service there was perfect. <laughs> By the end of this episode, you're going to be flying Delta for free. Uber is going to give you credits. Like no. I feel like we're getting you dialed in here. No, I just, I, I just, I love it when people treat you like you want to be treated. And I love. And people what's interesting about like that. that though is I feel like we don't expect that anymore. That it's a big deal when we're treated the way that we should be treated, mm. and when customer service is in place the way it should be, that becomes 
no longer the norm. So I'm glad that you've had those experiences with some pretty big brands. Mm, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's I'm I'm hopeful every day. I, I try and teach my two little girls to do right and, and treat people with respect and stuff. So you're right. It's neat when people turn around and do the same thing. Now, you've played Augusta. Your mm -hmm. brother won the Masters. What's your favorite PGA Tour major? I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm going to know the answer to this. but yeah, That's a hard question because for the, they're just so different. I would say it's 1A and 1B for me, and 1A is the Masters, um, and 1B is the Open. I mean, the Open Championship, it is an experience by none, and those golf courses are so great, and there's just so, something so romantic about in your rain gear, freezing with a cup of coffee in your hand, umbrella over your head, watching golf. It's 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 truly an experience that will touch your soul. But but Augusta National, this it has no peer. Uh, the golf course is just majestic. I look open disclosure. I'm a fanatical Bobby Jones fan, and so the, again, Augusta National is just a, an emotional sort of a thing for me. And the tournament is awesome. It's so well run. The membership are so friendly. Um, it's and I just love to because I get to go there often um, and I just get I love to watch people who go there for the first time and who see it for the first time I love to watch their faces and and that for me at any of the other major championships with respect to each and every one of them the PGA which last week was unreal the US Open obviously you know to see people's faces when they show up at the Masters for the first time it's it's priceless and and that that for me sort of seals the deal so quickly compare your experience the first time you were at augusta and the first time you were at the home of golf at st andrews <laughs> is it possible to compare those two because i've not been to augusta but i have been to st andrews well the first time i was at st andrews it was blowing so hard that we were taking off the golf course <laughs> so probably not a fair, fair comparison my first, my first time at st andrews turned into a whole a, a number of pints at marbells just down the road so it, it wasn't all golf we won the course for a few days but st andrews is the same thing that for me it's not just the course it's the town and that town just it just it emanates golf everything that town exists because of the university but more the golf course so st andrews is, is a, diff, a different sort of an experience um, augusta national the first time i went there was a, as a young collegian and when we were back in college we played back then in augusta state uh, tournament and we happened, our team happened to win that week. And then everyone who was in the field got an invitation to the Monday practice round. So I went there as a young man, having watched this tournament on TV. And I walked the back nine and I sort of relived everything. And then I bumped into Ernie Els, who was a longtime friend, and I walked with him for a bit. So, I mean, it feels like it was yesterday. Now it's kind of crazy to, that I get to go back there as often as I do. That's cool. Ernie would be a good guest for the show. So the next time you see him, give him a plug and tell him to come on, come on the uh, hashtag. He's just around the corner from you down there. He's on the other side of Florida. I mean, it's a quick drive. I mean, we mm. go over to Miami. We're really big into electronic dance music. So we go over to the other coast quite a bit to check out DJs and clubs and stuff. So cool. maybe I'll just uh, head over there and see if I can't find his address and just knock on his door and say. Just touch him. I mean, he loves to talk about his autism, his autism center. And it's something that's so close to his heart. And it's so nice for me to see such a hero you know, have such a cause about him. You know, we, we've all got a purpose deep down and, and that undoubtedly is anyone else's purpose and, and I commend him for taking it on like he has. Well, I think, I mean, to that point though, I think he'd just be a good conversation. I just feel like he's, <laughs> he's brilliant like, conversation. Yeah, so, and you know that, obviously, you know the yeah. guy, so you, you understand. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been such a great conversation. We could literally sit here and talk about golf all night long. Everybody at home, again, if you haven't had the chance, subscribe to the YouTube channel down below. Click on notifications, go to iTunes, Google Play, 
subscribe there so you can listen to us in the car or on your next flight. But Mark, I got one more question for you before we sure. let you out of here. What's next? What's next for me? Yeah, what's the what's the immediate immediate future look like for a guy that's got his hands on forty five projects? I just I just love talking about golf. So you know, I hope that the announced thing continues. I I hope that I continue to bring you know worthwhile content to the golf fans and and uh, you know just I I want to just continue to be as thankful and as passionate about this game as what I am. So who knows what happens tomorrow? But if if tomorrow for me happens, I will. Probably we're talking about golf, so that's what, that's what we're going to do. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. If you ever get down to Orlando, let me know. I'd love to run up to Orlando or have you come down to Naples. And uh, I need a few strokes, though, for playing because I'm a <laughs> you're, yeah. assume, you're assuming I can still play. Okay. I'm to know more about you on, on the Mark podcast. You got a new subscriber there. You got a new follower. I didn't even know that on, on the Mark was on Twitter, so I followed that earlier today. I'm already following you on your other Twitter, so keep posting good content. And this episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play presented by Eat Sleep Golf will be on iTunes, Google Play. It'll be on YouTube. It'll be shared to Facebook and Twitter. Not hard to find. I'll email you a link so we can hopefully share it on your end when it goes live as well. And as always, in the Hashtag Wednesday Match Plays, you have to remember to eat, sleep, golf.